Hi, Cricolectuals. Welcome back to another episode of the Cricolectuals podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Rufan, here. And uh, how's it going, Rufan? What's up? Hey, everyone. Hey, Jay. What's going on? Just uh, chilling. We just got this perfect weather coming from wherever. Just took kids for a long walk and just got back. What about you? That's nice, man. Uh, it's cold here. Not nice. And uh, kids are starting to get sick. So we're just trying to recover from our little colds and stuff here. Um, besides that, what's on the agenda today? I mean, a lot going on, right? We still got to discuss conclusion to Pakistan-Bangladesh series, the test matches. And Pakistan is also playing in Pakistan against West Indies and T20 matches. Two of them have been concluded in Pakistan's favor. And then we'll add a few more items at the end. Let's see what time allows. Yeah, well, Pakistan's doing rather well, haven't they? They've won the Bangladesh series and uh, a complete whitewash. A couple of exciting games, but mostly a one-sided affair. And the West Indies series so far with the T20s has been the same. The two T20s that have been played, Pakistan has won. The second T20 was a little bit of a of an exciting game, but the first T20 was once again a very one-sided affair. Pakistan's been doing really well. That's the question of the day. What do you think is the secret behind Pakistan's success? How come they started doing well all of a sudden? I mean, there's a lot of factors, right? So let's give credit to the front line first, the players, the coaches. It's only fair because they're the first one who get the blame when we don't perform. So let's uh, applaud them first. That's your short answer. And it's obviously supporting staff in the background that is making this happen. So if you look at Ramiz Raja taking over, there's a lot of positive feedback coming uh, from PCB because of his placement. And he's including a lot of players. And he promised he's not going to discriminate anybody as far as the age is concerned. Everybody's going to be coming in on their merit. And you see a lot of new players. They've been tested. As you notice, we see a lot of newer bowlers and newer batsmen get a chance at least. They're not just sitting on the benches and wasting their time. So that's the second factor. Third, I've been noticing that Pakistan are getting used to celebrating and supporting our team, even when they're down. And that wasn't common, you know. But I think overall morale is high. Part of it is because we've been winning. So momentum is on our side, and I think it's collaboration of everybody that's involved. Good selection of players and support from Pakistan itself that's making this happen. I uh, have a slightly different way of thinking about it, too. I do agree with all your micro-level kind of analysis of this. I understand and I agree. I also think players are obviously to give credit who've done really well. They've been performing more or less consistently, almost everyone. Even if they don't have one good game, usually they come back okay in the second game. And then if one player is not doing well and other players lifting up some of the burden and coming through for the team and uh, everyone's feeling their responsibility and they're kind of delivering a little bit, you can have level of confidence in the teams knowing that there can be people down the order uh, and, and in different realms to pull their weight in a one of the other things I've noticed, the fielding's been pretty good, especially in these T20s that I'm against the West Indies. Uh, there's some really good catches and, and really good effort. There were a couple of clips going around online. One was of Harsos uh, taking a catch, running, diving. Then there was another one of Asif taking a catch uh, right at right at the boundary. So really, really good stuff coming through from Pakistan team. And some of these things like fieldings and super catches that we haven't seen always you know coming out of the Pakistani team um, so that's really nice to see so I do agree that all of those things are definitely valid and definitely the primary reason that Pakistan team is winning but I think under the surface if you zoom out a little bit and you kind of go back and you start noticing where this 
shift start to happen, I feel this starts to happen when Wakar and Mispa leave. And we did an episode earlier and, you know, we know we think very highly of Wakar and Mispa. We're all due respect to them. They're legends of the game. We've said that before as well. So we won't harp on that. But having said all of that, there to me is a cultural shift in the team the body language of the team, the chemistry of the team, the apparent on-screen relationship of the team. It's just a different vibe, man. Um, They're feeling like uh, almost, you know, friends, brothers, whatever you want to call it. But on screen, they look like they're gelling really well. There is no animosity between anybody. And the culture of the dressing room, people always talk about, but it's really one of those things that we don't, as outsiders, really get to see. You know, we don't have a window into what's really happening in the dressing room or outside of the dressing room when the cameras are not on. But now we get the feeling that those environments are really where the team is also shining. There seems to be a camaraderie between the group. There seems to be really tight relationships between the group. There's a lot of respect. There's a lot of confidence building of each other and not throwing each other in the bus. Uh, we noticed that when Bob Razum and everybody else was asked about Hassan Ali's performance during the World Cup, that's just a small example of where I noticed that the culture was a little bit different. And Bobber's speeches and talks to the team were also very much about this is a team game. Um, if we're losing, it's because we all lost. That type of mindset, that type of culture in the team, I'm seeing more prevalent now than I have seen before. And I do feel now more and more that rumors that were circulating around the aura of Wakar and Mispa, the uh, persona that both of them embodied and had definitely feels like its absence is a good thing. And uh, last point I'll make on that front is that uh, the reason why I also feel it is because, you know, everybody's talking about how this is Bobber's team, Bobber's team, Bobber's team. When Wakar and Mispa were around, the only names that you know, people kept talking about where Wakar and Mispa, like, you know, what's the team? And then we were talking about the chief selector. And that's another point I want to bring up. You know, the point being that all these big names are present. And um, Ak Javed was doing a, not a talk, but like a media appearance for the HPL PSL 7. And uh, for Lahore Kalenders, he was being asked questions. He was asked the same question. And we talked about this in our free hit. And Ak basically, you know, mentioned that, Imagine what a team meeting is like uh, nowadays versus imagine how it would have been like before. Imagine when a team meeting was like before where uh, Wakar Yunus would speak first. Um, he's the expert, big legend. He gets most time. Misbah speaks second. Then you got the chief selector talking and everybody goes through talking about their strategy, their plan. Then you got like three different kinds of coaches and they all talk. And at the very end, they're going to ask the, the captain, all right, uh, Bobber, what do you think? What's Bobber going to say? And I think Aka made a joke that he's going to say, you decided everything. Let's go and play. <laughs> you know, he has yeah. no say. And now you got these legends out of there, even though Suklan is also a legend, no doubt, in his own right. But his personality is completely different. He has a different or a different kind of a persona about him. And clearly it feels that. In this team meeting, it starts with Bobber, ends with Bobber, right? This is not about anybody else. Now it's his team, his decisions, and Ramiz has definitely created the conditions to let him have it like that. And that is how it should be in my book anyway. And I'm feeling that's the main difference. 
it's Bobber's team, not too many chefs in the kitchen, like you once said, and we're seeing the difference. Yeah, no, you definitely bring up an interesting point. There was a lot behind the curtains and not spoken out loud when Ms. Ba and Bakar were around. There was not a lot of transparency, obviously. They wouldn't come out in public and clarify what is going on. And we've heard of people talking about a very strict environment when Bakar and Ms. Ba were around. And uh, I did notice that Babar would come out last and like they took him to the side and told him what to say in the press conferences. And that doesn't happen. And often you saw Vakar sitting right next to Babar <laughs> doing the press conference. Or yeah, like a supervisor. Bob. Yeah, like a supervisor. And now I think the coaches are now pushing the captain to go up front and have a conversation with the press. And uh, that's becoming more common. And even the players, whoever the man of the match is, they come forward and they have a conversation and get used to the journalism, that how tough it is. And that's good to see. But I would say that the seed was definitely planted by Wakar and Mizbah because the grooming of the players that they were doing and they were backing up are the ones that you see outshine now, whether it be Shaheen Afridi, Babar Azam, Rizwan. They did back up Wahab Riaz, who I think is going to come back in the team soon. So I think they were grooming the team in the right way, but they were just too controlling at the same time, which somehow uh, ended up, you know, turning into a negative uh, performance for Pakistan. Because if you can't explode on the field and the, and play the way you want it, that's going to produce negative results. And that's what we saw. And when you see uh, the team around on the field, they're they're much happier. They're having a conversation. There was a scene from either the first T20 against West Indies or second where Shadab went up to Babur and requested something, uh, spoke to another player at the same time. They shook heads, agreed on something and went back to their fielding positions. But I do agree, the players have more control over how they play and how they dictate the match. And that is resulting in positive results uh, and, and it's ongoing. So extraordinary performance by Pakistan. It's a term we're still getting used to associating with Team Pakistan. And we sound like a broken record every week coming on and saying they performed great. But as uh, far as we stay away from the relic of unpredictability, or I think it's better for us. It sounds more dramatic, but I think being predictable and winning all these games, Pakistan looks like a well-oiled machine going in the right direction. And yeah. I think, yeah, go on. Sorry. No, I was going to just continue that point next. And that being that, you know, what is the performance? right now and and what can we really make out of this performance also you know once again that we only played top opposition in the world cup right and after that we did expect bangladesh series to be a tough series but really it didn't pan out to be and we can credit that to pakistan for for not letting it turn into that because we know what bangladesh can do to top quality opposition it didn't look like they they played any kind of cricket that was going to trouble pakistan so my concern right now is that pakistan's really not getting top opposition to continue to develop their strengths because you know, the West Indies team is also a young team. A couple of their key players didn't come. A couple of key players retired. And now we have a team that's very young. And I just heard some news story about COVID um, and a player or two is going to get quarantined from the West Indian side. It sounds like uh, I don't know if they're a team that's going to really push Pakistan. And we have kind of included a couple of players to 
acknowledge that because we know that this team is this West Indian team is not going to really give us a whole lot of trouble. Um, so although Pakistan is doing really well, we also know that they've only played West Indies and Bangladesh, which is which are two teams actually ranked way below Pakistan in T20 and just below Pakistan in ODI. So we'd like to see really tough opposition. I think the next year is a real test of Pakistan. I want to reserve any kind of uh, conversation or like um, reaching any conclusions about this until we see that Australia game. I think in yeah. March when we see Australia, that's when we'll really know where Pakistan stands. And hopefully, you know, everything goes as planned and Australia will arrive and those are the games that are going to really be a, a litmus test of sorts because home conditions and, you know, there's a team that's come in that's the world champions in T20s. We'll see how Pakistan responds to that. Yeah, I agree. I do want to make one point. I know West Indies uh, lost a lot of legends. You know, they retired after the World Cup and they are in Pakistan's home condition. So we don't expect them to perform <clears throat> as well as they've done historically. But Bangladesh, there's a lot of lack of excitement around. Every time we play Bangladesh or Zimbabwe, agreed, they're ranked much lower than Pakistan. But I think Ramiz Raja came on TV, which we appreciate, by the way. He keeps on coming, giving us constant updates. But we're definitely not used to it from our prior leaders in PCB. And he talked about how any team skill set goes to waste when you enter Bangladesh uh, surface because they do exploit the conditions. They do make the pitches in favor of the home team. And let's pick some highlights from the Bangladesh uh, test match, right? Three T20s came close. We did beat them. And this is the team who performs extraordinarily well against any opposition in Bangladesh because of the conditions, right? So you would expect Pakistan to be a better team. Maybe we would have won the T20 series 2-1, right? We didn't do that. We had clean sweeps across the board in both formats. And look at the way we won. First test, you got Abid Ali with 100 and a 50. You got Shafiq with 250s. And then you got Hassan Ali with Pfeiffer and, and Shaheen Shafridi in the same match. And we spared uh, almost a whole day, day five, in the first uh, test match and won that. Second test, we only got three days and beat them by an innings, which is insane if you really think about it. It doesn't matter what country you're in, what country you're playing. We didn't have enough time to produce a single-sided results, and we did. And what else we got to take out of this uh, outing is that the newer players are getting experience. So if nothing comes out of it, you got to understand they are uh, getting some type of confidence playing outside Pakistan and which is great for their uh, grooming, and they can take pressure well. So I think Bangladesh series, we perform way above average. Yeah, for sure. I, I think definitely from each of these wins, you know, a lot comes out. Every win is also just good for the morale of the team. I think no matter who you play, you need you need the win. Every team needs that, and Pakistan team definitely needed the wins. We have one more thing to talk about. You, you mentioned pitches, and uh, we just heard the news about Ramiz Raja's uh, drop in pitches. Drop that he, in pitches. he secured a, a partnership with a gentleman who's paying for the uh, pitches. It's a lot of money. And these two pitches are going to come from somewhere. Um, Bangladesh. <laughs> <laughs> those are the free ones. Or again, those are free. Uh, for they're just going to dump two trucks of water. 
87 crore that we paid and we're just going to spray our pitches. Two two trucks of dirt and water, a a muddy mixture. But the question is, is this a thing worth doing? Well, Ramiz clearly thinks so. He's a cricketer. We have to give him the credit. Obviously, he's played for a long time. He's seen all, you know, cricket all around the world. He feels the pitches are really the way forward. I have some questions about it that I'm going to put forward and, and let's see what you think also. So um, we know that the pitches are probably going to get, go to Karachi and Lahore, Qadhafi Stadium and the National Stadium. Some questions are, who's going to be using the pitches? How often are the pitches going to be used? Um, are they going to be accessible to teams besides the national team? And um, having played on these pitches in Pakistan, what do we think? is going to happen to the national team if the national team is the main team that's going to be using the pitches. What's going to happen uh, to their game? Pakistani curators could not make these pitches, right? They couldn't make pitches of this caliber, this quality, or this kind of, you know, mixture of dirt and the elements or whatever. How are they going to maintain these pitches? So there's some questions I have. Uh, What do you think about them? Another question is, where are these pitches coming from, right? It's only two of them, they said. Sounds like Australia. Okay, so are we in the future preparing our team just to fight Australia? Or are we making it uh, accessible for the teams that are going to travel to Pakistan? So they're also used to condition of Australia when they go there. So who are we really training by having these pitches? Uh, That's my question. Second is, we shouldn't have these pitches as our main pitches. They should be in our training grounds so we can train before we travel to Australia. And again, goes back to my point, why choose one country? We should have seven pitches training in training facilities for each country the way they have it. And that's the only time I see it being beneficial. It's mind-boggling to yeah. me. It's 87 crore. It's a lot of money. It could have been spent elsewhere. And yeah. uh, I know we our pitches need improvement. So does our, our cities and our stadiums. 87 crore, again, somebody's assisting us. Push that money into our school systems first and get more <laughs> players out of it. And like you said, how long are we going to maintain these pitches? It just doesn't add up or well, make sense to me. You know, I was... Uh listening to a lot of different criticisms of this. I, I also generally, I like this idea that sure, if, if, if this is an option, if we can bring in pitches from other places, yeah, let's do it. Let's, you know, give our players a variety of conditions to practice their cricket. in. that's great. Um, and especially if they're going to play a series in another part of the world. And if we already have access to those pitches at home, then yes, practice would be better. We'd be more prepared you know, especially everybody keeps talking about the bounce, bounce, bounce. The bounce is different and whatnot. Uh, pitches are quicker and faster and also bouncier. All right, great. So if, if we have that, that's that's going to make us better. Sure, it's going to work on our reflexes and get us prepared. But then the criticism that people are asking or, or bringing up is also around other countries that are ranked in the top three, yet they don't have this kind of drop in pitch approach to their cricket. India is an example. Uh, They don't have any drop-in pitches. Um, They seem to be dominating uh, at least two versions of the game. Australia, similarly, uh, don't have drop-in pitches. They're not getting a drop-in pitch from Bangladesh before going to Bangladesh or or India, etc. New Zealand doesn't 
seem to be doing it. And these are your top teams. What's it going to do? I, I just have questions about what's it actually going to produce for our cricket. If it's just a nice little thing to have, like a luxury, sure. Um, you know, why not? If we have the resources and somebody's paying the bill, fine. Let's let's put them in. Let's give our guys, you know, some foreign conditions at home and see what happens. But then is it really going to improve our cricket? I have doubts about that. Um, because on the one hand, Ramiz keeps saying that, well, you know, at the nas- at the international level and at the national team level, the players already know their techniques. You can't, we only still have, we haven't really announced an official coach. If you remember, Saklan Mustak was supposed to be only for the World Cup and he's still tagging along. I don't know what his contract is, what his deal really is right now, but, and we still uh, officially are looking for a coach actually, for the national yeah. team. So, you know, the the point I'm trying to make is that Ramiz had mentioned that, you know, ha- having a coach is very important, but it's not everything because players have to really come together. And if that's the case, then our pitch is everything. Should we be spending our energies, those types of funds, like you're saying, on other things that could indeed improve the cricket? So it, it is yet to be seen. It was one of his things. He kept talking about it, and he feels that Pakistani uh, batsmen especially are not, you know, performing well in England and Australia and New Zealand, primarily because we just don't know how to read those pitches and how to work on those pitches. So now we'll get a couple of those. And um, to him, that problem will be solved. I don't know. It remains to be seen. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I think we supported that idea as well down the road. And we wanted all major countries pitches in Pakistan, but to replace your natural conditions, Lahore is (laughs) our iconic stadium to take the natural aspects out of our pitch. I don't think it's a great idea. I mean, Lahore has some specialties in its own pitch. So does Karachi. And people come to Pakistan and they haven't played in Pakistan in a long time. They probably miss the surfaces, however bad you think they may be. I think we should maintain our natural habitat at least and have these pitches again to go overseas and play a series we should have it on the side as a training facility you're bringing up a really good point so if we have these pitches for example and these are pitches where international games are going to happen and they're not going to be those side training pitches that you know generally we have um, and if they are going to be the main pitches then it's kind of like making it easier for the opposition especially for australia to come and still get the same conditions that they have at home <laughs> you know? right you're making it easier like- for them <laughs> they have yeah, more experience at those pitches great hospitality yeah 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 <laughs> uh, so so we'll see yeah you know it, it, again it's a nice thing and hopefully it, it does wonders uh for our especially our younger lot our newer players who don't have the experience to kind of build different kind of um cricketing strategy around different kinds of pitches and you know we'll we'll remain optimistic and let, let's see what actually ends up happening but we don't see it being any kind of a game changer well Thank you. On that note, friends, we'll come back with another episode next week. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media at Crickelectuals. And you can also send us a message or a question that we can incorporate in our episodes. And we'd love to incorporate your questions into our discussions here. So get in touch, engage with us, and let us know what you think. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a good one. Bye.